Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Hebrews 11, 1 through 7, again, God's word from the New Testament. Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. As for the reading of God's word, may it bless us grace. Let's pray. So if you had the choice between something unseen versus something you could see, what would you prefer? Well, this is a bit silly as we instinctually favor what we can see. For what good is an invisible stake? or an unseen car, or an unseeable friend? Well, not very much. For we generally equate the visible with what is real, and the invisible with what is imaginary. And yet this preference kind of clashes with Christianity. For in many ways, our religion is one of invisibles. We cannot see Jesus or God. Heaven is veiled from our eyes. Our justification isn't very visible. The answers to our prayers can be are not seen by our eyes. And our grand hope of the resurrection can't be spotted. Spiritually, we live by invisibles. And this was especially set before us at the end of Hebrews chapter 10. For there we were called to endure in the light of our everlasting possession, our great reward, and God's promise. But we cannot see these future and heavenly blessings. What our eyes cannot detect is supposed to guide and motivate our lives? This seems a bit difficult. How does this even work? How can something invisible to the naked eye help us here and now? Well, God's word anticipates our questions and struggles, and it provides us with a succinct and stirring answer by faith. Indeed, faith is the link connecting these two chapters. At the close of chapter 10, we endure by faith. We are those of faith for the preserving of our souls. And now the author teases out what this faith is. He shows us a documentary on the history of faith. So, what is faith? Well, verse 1, faith is. Though strictly speaking, this is not a dictionary definition of faith. It isn't a systematic theology definition like we find in the Shorter Catechism. 
Instead, it's more so a characterization of faith. It describes certain features of faith. It teases out prominent aspects of it. We hear about the roles and activities of faith. In fact, the author lays out uh, before us faith in action. Faith here is presented not as a static thing per se, but as a living organism that receives, responds, and gets moving. It is a holistic portrait of faith that includes the faith we are saved by, we live by, and by which we reach the goal of our salvation. Indeed, the bullseye of our author's focus falls upon the future. So here in verse 1, our faith relates to things hoped for. Now, the objects of our hope are matters and events that have not yet come to pass. Hope belongs to tomorrow, to next week, six months out, your five-year goals. Of course, though, these hopes are not our common ones for a new car, a bigger promotion, or grandkids. Rather, these hopes are blessings of God that lie ahead. Our Sabbath rest, the glory of heaven, and the bodily resurrection. These are the covenantal hopes promised by the Lord. Likewise, faith relates to things things or events not seen. Faith connects to the invisible. Now, such unseen matters are synonymous with hope here. A hope is something you cannot spot with the eye. You hope for a paycheck because you haven't seen it yet. Though this combo of hope and the unseen add up to something specific, namely a future event or blessing. That is, there are plenty of things that are invisible, angels, demons, the stuff of the spiritual realm. We can't see these, but these aren't necessarily our hope. Rather, our unseen hope is the future glory that Christ has in store for us. The bliss of heaven in all its splendor and diversity is our unseen hope, particularly us being brought before before the very face of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So then faith relates to our invisible hopes, but the question is, how does it? Though sadly, at this point, we stub our toe on a translation issue. As you can see, the ESV renders verse 1 as, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction. The problem is that this, is, is that this word does not mean assurance, nor is conviction an accurate rendering. For a correct translation, we have to go back to the good old King James Version, which reads... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, then, is the essence, the substance, the reality of the things hoped for. That is, through faith, we apprehend and we participate in the reality of our future hope. By faith, the future is revealed as a reality, a substantial thing. Hence, the second half of verse 1, faith is the evidence of things unseen. Faith yields solid proof that the invisible exists and will come to pass. You see, that's the thing about unseen hopes, is we often uh, understand them to be hypothetical 
wishful thinking, unreal, a mere possibility. Hope, for us, comes with a big if or maybe in front of it. Maybe we will see the unseen if the hope becomes a reality. Faith, though, removes the maybe. It erases the if. And faith makes hope a reality. It provides objective evidence that the unseen things are real. The presence of faith is officially registered proof of the future. It is indicative that the things hoped for are substantial. Faith in here is presented more so from its objective role than its subjective demeanor. And this comes out from verse 2. So faith apprehends and provides evidence for the realities of our hope, but how? Well, there's a particular catalyst that activates faith in such a manner. By faith, the elders receive testimony. Now, the people of old refers to the saints of the Old Testament. And this commendation is the active testimony from God. It is explicit revelation. This is God's word to the saints of old to create faith in them, to approve of their faith, and to reveal the truths about future hopes. And it is this divine testimony that's the magic ingredient in faith. How is faith the substance of our hopes? How is faith the proof of unseen things? It's by God's word. It is by the Lord testifying to them. The testimony of the word is what activates faith and employs faith for it to be the real evidence of future reality. Moreover, it's by God's testimony that the saints of old, that they become witnesses for us. In chapter 12, verse 1 of Hebrews, the the author classifies all these Old Testament saints as a cloud of witnesses for us. This means as we go through this 11th chapter, as the author surveys the faith of the Old Testament saints, they aren't primarily examples for us to just copy. Sure, there's some of this, but first and foremost, they are witnesses for us. They testify to us about the reality of our hope. They provide evidence for us so that our hope is not an uncertain thing, not a hypothetical, but a true thing, still future, but no less real. Again, we tend to estimate invisible things as imaginary, unsubstantial, lesser. But if we are to endure by the hope of heaven, this can seem like a potential vanity. Endure for heaven, but what if heaven isn't so? Then our endurance was for naught. And this relates to the temptation of this specific congregation. The congregation of the epistle of the Hebrews are enticed to go back to the temple, to Jerusalem. For you can see the temple with your own eyes. You can smell the sacrifices and touch the offerings. The land of Judea is actual real estate where you can stake your claim. But Jesus on high, resurrection in heaven... These could be just fairy tales, mere figments of wishful thinking. Therefore, the author is helping us to endure 
by showing us that faith apprehends the reality of heaven. And faith doesn't just work like this for us, but it also did for the saints of the Old Testament. Thus, the elders of old are witnesses to us about future realities. God testified to their faith, and by faith they acted in the present in light of the coming future. And so they give evidence to us that our faith is not in vain, but that through faith we endure through this life for the glorious substance of God's promise. Though before the author launches into this list of Old Testament characters, he gives us an example of how faith works. And for this, he doesn't look to the future, but to the past, verse 3. By faith we know the universe was made. First, there's an unseen element. The visible world was made made from what is not visible. Out of nothing, which cannot be seen, God fashioned all the beauty of the world we do see. Now, in first impression, this seems unbelievable. How can a visible rock be made from what is invisible? Isn't this a bit far-fetched? On top of this, we weren't present to watch God create. We see the results of God's creation, but we didn't see him perform his creative acts. Second, this came to pass by God's word, his divine testimony. And here the word does double duty. By the word God spoke and the world came to be, and by the word God revealed to us his artful labors. Thus, by faith in the word, we come to know. A firm understanding is given to us through faith. And knowledge reflects truth. Understanding is solid evidence that something is real. By faith in God's word, we come to know the truth about the creation of the world that was unseen to us. In this way, faith is the substance and evidence of things unseen. Yet with this past example given to help us, now the author reaches his main interest, the elderly saints of the Old Testament. For it's not the past that it concerns him, but the future, particularly how the Old Testament saints beheld the future from afar by faith. And the first character set before us is Abel. By faith, Abel offered a superior sacrifice than Cain. Now, as we read from their brief story in Genesis 4, both boys of Eve engaged in worshiping the Lord. Each brought sacrifices from their respective professions. But only one was accepted. Abel had the better sacrifice. And by this language, we can see the shape of Abel's faith that made his offering superior. For as you'll remember, Hebrews has talked much about sacrifice. He beat the drum about the endless sacrifices of the Old Testament and the single better sacrifice of Jesus. Hence, this language of a better sacrifice links together Christ's superior sacrifice and Abel offered a better sacrifice. This means that Abel beheld Christ. As he offered his gift, Abel imaged the future of Christ's redemption. 
Abel's sacrifice was his confession that he needed an offering for atonement. This is Abel's faith apprehending and giving evidence of the future. He saw Christ from afar. He offered up a sacrifice in the image of Christ's death. Abel's offering did not look to the Mosaic sacrifices, but directly at our Lord's. And the effect of his believing offering was that God testified to him that he was righteous. The Lord spoke to Uh, spoke that Abel's gifts were acceptable. And from their acceptance, the Lord declared Abel to be righteous. Now, this truth is exegeted from Genesis 4-4, where the Lord had regard for both Abel and regard for his offering. Now, this regard included God speaking to Abel. This is evident from the Lord talking to Cain after he did not regard his offering. Now, uh, Genesis does not record what God said to Abel, but he spoke to him, and Hebrews gives us a summary of the press release, the Lord declared Abel to be righteous. In this way, Abel conforms the truth of Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous will live by faith. So Abel, sacrificed by faith that beheld Christ, and divine testimony published him as righteous. Thus, two future hopes are evidenced in Abel. The sacrifice of Christ and the righteousness that comes by faith. Then, the revelatory testimony of the Lord confirmed Abel's faith as apprehending these future realities. God accepted his offering to say, yes, this is an accurate picture of Christ. And the Lord approved of Abel to testify that he was righteous by faith. And in this way, Abel is still speaking to us. Sure, he's long dead. No breath passes through the voice box of Abel to utter words. But as his faith and God's testimony is recorded in the word, Abel testifies to us. And what does the story of Abel communicate to you? Well, one, that the sacrifice of Christ is the true object of faith. Just as Abel rested in atonement to be saved, so do we. Two, by resting in in this Christ-shaped atonement, the Lord announces to us that we are righteous by faith. Therefore, by faith, we too participate in the unseen realities of our salvation, both the sacrifice of Christ and his declaration that we are righteous in him. Abel speaks to, the, uh, speaks to us about faith and the realities that it takes hold of. Abel, though, is not alone. Next, there's Enoch. Now, by faith, Enoch was taken up. He was translated from earth to heaven without dying. Now, normally, there's only two ways to join God in the world above. One, by dying, and our souls go to be with the Lord. And the other is by resurrection, we bodily enter his presence. Enoch, though, skipped both of these. For he walked with God, and he was translated into heaven. By faith, Enoch ascended into glory 
without death. Thus, his faith apprehended and participated in the reality of resurrection. For translation is the living version of resurrection. As you know, when Christ comes again, the dead will be raised, but for us who are alive, we will be changed, translated into heavenly bodies. The faith of Enoch is the substance and proof of the unseen hope of resurrection. And if faith is this instrument for Enoch, so it can be for us. Through faith, the Lord will bring us to the resurrection, to life with him. As well as God's testimony, again, has a role. Before Enoch was taken, it was revealed to him that he was pleasing to God. Now, this word from God is not cited in Genesis 5. Yet it is expressed in the line that Enoch walked with God. For to walk with God is the heavenly judgment and publication that God is well pleased with your faith. Thus the author here clarifies this in the next verse. He says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Now this is a general truth. By principle, nothing we can do can please the Father apart from faith. Moreover, the actions of faith are laid out. He says, those who draw near, that is, those who worship God, must believe that God exists. The Lord may not be manifest to our eyes, but faith believes that God is. Faith trusts in the reality that the Lord is God and the one God of the universe. Also, faith relies on God to reward those who seek him. Now, to seek the Lord is to reach out to him in prayer, devotion, in need for help, life, and deliverance. The reward is God answering our prayers, particularly our longing for salvation. Faith then understands the biblical truth that says, the Lord is found when you seek him. And so Enoch is a witness for us. By faith, Enoch enjoyed the reality of translation, a version of resurrection. By faith, he believed in God as the God who answers prayers. Indeed, we do not see resurrection. The answers to our prayers are regularly not visible. And yet faith apprehends and participates in both. Thus, as it was for Enoch, so it will be for you through faith. And the list of Hebrews continues. The next expose in this documentary of faith is Noah. Again, unseen things are a leading character. God warned Noah about the events yet to be, which was the coming of the flood. That deluge of judgment wasn't forecast to the eye. No weatherman predicted it. Noah wasn't an astute observer of rising sea levels. No, rather, the word of the Lord alone declared that the flood was on its way. Then, based on this promise of an unseen future, Noah revered God, and in faith, he built the ark. When God says, the waters are coming, faith builds a boat. This is faith rooted in the promised testimony of God. In this way, Noah's faith beheld the future day of God's wrath. 
Next, by means of the faith-constructed ark, salvation came to him and his household. By faith, Noah was the savior of his house, which cast Noah as a type of Christ. Now, sure, Jesus didn't have faith in the same way as did Noah, but Christ did pass through God's judgment for the salvation of his household, the church. Noah's faith in action, then, portrays Christ to us. Jesus is our deliverance from the coming wrath, which is yet unseen. Additionally, through this faith, Noah condemned the world to trust in the word of God and to build a ship This condemned the world as unbelievers, as wicked rebels against the one Lord. Similarly, as we profess that Christ is the only name under heaven by which people are saved, so we verbalize the condemnation of all those who refuse to trust in Jesus. Finally, by faith, Noah became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. As with Abel, the gift of righteousness through faith is showcased for us. Now, in Genesis 6, it says that Noah walked with God and was a righteous man. And yet, we were just told by Enoch that to walk with God means to please him by faith. This means that Noah pleased the Lord by walking in faith, and then he was declared righteous, not by works but as a gift of God through faith. Noah, then, is also a witness to our justification. Noah believed God's word about the flood. In faith, he built an ark as a type of Christ's salvation, and so he inherited the righteousness that is of faith. And as with Noah, so with you, by faith in the word of God. Therefore, Noah, Enoch, and Abel testify to you about the realities of the divine promises. They demonstrate how through faith God communicates to us the blessings of our unseen hopes. And so these three Old Testament elders help your faith to endure. Narrowly, they're not simplistic examples for us to copy, That is, our faith should not kill a lamb, as did Abel. We do not have to build an ark. No, these are expressions of faith unique to the elders' place in redemptive history. And yet the faith behind these actions is a model for us. For what did these ancient saints believe in? Well, Abel believed in a sacrifice for atonement as an image of Christ. Enoch trusted in the God of the resurrection, and Noah believed in the coming judgment and built an ark for salvation. And these are the same things that we hope for and are unseen to us. The atonement of Christ. We didn't witness his cross, but we need his blood and we trust in it for pardon and purification. Resurrection is the one hope of God's people and deliverance from the coming wrath hidden in the refuge of Jesus' salvation. These same realities of God's redemption we share in with the saints of old. Moreover, by this faith, God imparts to us 
the righteousness that is of faith. The Lord justifies us not by the works of our obedience, but by faith through which Christ's righteousness is reckoned as ours. Finally, by God's testimony, through his word, the Lord creates faith in us, guides our faith, and approves our faith as genuine. And such testimony is just what you need to endure until your faith becomes sight. By the faith of Abel, Enoch, and Noah, God confirms to you that your unseen hopes are not fairy tales, but a divine reality. If these ancient saints enjoyed such future realities, how much more you, now that Christ has come. By faith, God imputes to you the righteousness of his Son, which is your deliverance from the coming wrath. And the word of God is the strength of your faith now and always. Thus may we be those who walk in the path of our spiritual ancestors. Let us trust in God that he exists and his word. May we believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior who died for us. And then let us draw near to worship our Lord knowing that he will never disappoint your faith. But your God, who loves you to the uttermost, will bring you to his eternal reward for your good and for his glory. Amen. Let's pray.